Did you know that there are just two ways for the Christian to worship? Now, that rather provocative statement may remind you of the evangelistic tool known as two ways to live. But in this case, rather than addressing the non-Christian with the choice of two destinies, we're addressing the believer with the rather naughty question, just what constitutes a valid way to conduct our worship? Or is there just one valid way? Last time on this podcast, we began a series that hopes to take a look at why we do what we do in our worship services. My conviction is that in many things in life, we go about our business without giving much thought to the questions of why. So our answer, if we're ever asked why, is often, well, I guess we just do. (laughs) But as Socrates once said, the unexamined life is not worth living. So why don't we examine what we do in worship and why. Now, back to the title of today's podcast, Two Ways to Worship. Take a look around you, and it won't take you long to realize that there are seemingly a lot of ways to worship, from very staid traditional liturgies to middle-of-the-road blended worship services to the most freewheeling service you can imagine. It seems that there are innumerable ways to worship. But let's stop and break that down we can actually account for the myriad of worship styles by placing each one under one of two major headings, those that try to utilize elements that are modeled in the scriptures and those that feel free to make use of many diverse creative elements, whether or not those elements have precedent in the scriptures. Now you're probably getting a clearer vision in your mind. On the one hand, you're picturing a service that has a relatively predictable flow, perhaps a call to worship, an opening congregational hymn, a pastoral prayer, the offering, the sermon, a closing hymn, and benediction. On the other hand, you could envision a service that draws on any number of highly produced pieces, perhaps a video clip this week, a dramatic sketch next week, or a polished solo vocal performance the following week. Into these two overarching categories, we can fit just about any worship service we might think of. Details will, of course, vary, but there's either a somewhat regulated flow of events or there is the freedom to choose from a wide variety of elements. And that brings us to the heart of the matter. Did you hear that word I just used, regulated? The idea of a regulated worship service forms the crux of the difference between how the early Reformers thought about their liturgies. At the risk of oversimplification, Let's just put our friends John Calvin and Ulrich Zwingli over here in this corner, and let's put our German monk-turned-reformer Martin Luther in that corner. Both of these camps were concerned to reform worship. They both saw abuses aplenty in the Roman church of that day. They both wanted desperately to place worship back in the hands of the people, the laity, after years of upfront clergy-led worship. But here is where they parted ways. Those in John Calvin's corner believed that a worship service ought to limit itself to those elements that had models or precedents in the scriptures, while those in Luther's camp felt freer to incorporate elements that were not necessarily found in scripture just so long as they didn't violate scriptural command. Well, here's a simple illustration. When it came to congregational singing, both the Calvinists and the Lutherans said, Amen. Let's do it. But what should we sing? For the Calvinists, it was all psalms all the time. 
Why? Because the Psalms, as the hymn book of Israel, contained God's very words. They could sing them assured that they were following God's prescribed pattern for singing. For the Lutherans, and by the way, Martin Luther himself was a musician, for the Lutherans, things were a bit freer. Compose a hymn based on scriptural truth, but feel free to craft it as poetry. You can see this illustrated by the hymns that Luther himself wrote, perhaps most notably, A Mighty Fortress. It's based on Psalm 46, but it uses Luther's own poetry, complete with the kinds of imagery that we'd expect in a well-crafted poem. So there it is, two fundamentally different ways of looking at worship. We call the first way, illustrated by the Calvinists, the regulative principle in worship. And we call the Lutherans' freer approach the normative principle. And into one of those two broad categories can go just about any kind of Christian worship service you might imagine. So let me leave you today with two questions to ponder. Questions we'll pick up next podcast. First, which type of service do we model at New Covenant Church? Maybe the answer to that one's too easy. But this next question deserves more attention. What are some of the reasons for choosing one type of service over the other? Is it simply a matter of choice? I hope you'll ponder those questions a bit in the coming days, and then we'll tackle them in our next podcast. I'm Greg Wheatley, and this has been The Day After Sunday.